Hey everyone, my name is Garrett Carlson and I am the CEO of Dudefluencer.com. I'm really excited about today's interview with Adela Cardona, but before we get to that, I just wanted to share that we've opened up the official Dudefluencer grooming store. Do you want great smelling soap? How about some oil to trim up that Ted Lasso mustache? We've got it all. All you need to do is just head over to Dudefluencer.com, click on shop, and there you go. And without further ado, here's our interview with Adela. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Dude Cast. I am virtually sitting across from my friend Adela Cardona from Beckett Seamanin. She reached out to me. Well, I don't even know at this point. It's been it's been a while. Um, we have a Feb- February of, of 2021, so it's it's been a bit. Reached out to me and wanted to talk to me a little bit about shoes and and the company culture. And during our conversation. I really grew to appreciate and respect just not only the company that she's working for, but Adela herself. Adela is really, really intelligent and and bright. And I think anyone listening is going to gather a ton of great information from her. So without further ado, uh, let me welcome you to the show. Thank you so much, Garrett. Such Such an incredible introduction. Seriously, thank you for your kind words. It, you absolutely deserve it. So for, for folks who, you know, to give us just a quick introduction to, to who you are and, and what you're about, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah. Um, well, I am Colombian. I am from a Lebanese descendant kind of lineage. And I grew up amongst nature in a part of Colombia that's famous for the coffee region, which I think is part of why I'm, I ended up being like a, a climate activist. <laughs> and I am very passionate about fashion responsibility and mental health. So that's about it. Yeah. Uh, I also love meditating and dancing on my free time. Those those are all things that Dudefluencer also loves and represents. Not necessarily good at dancing, but <laughs> we do what we can, right? Yeah, and I actually think that there's no need to be quote unquote good at dancing. It's just like moving your body in a way that feels good. I get that. That that's understandable. I think. I don't know if this is something I've mentioned to you in our conversations before, but something that more men should do is dance because there is a level of insecurity of of looking like a fear of looking silly or or being goofy that can come with dancing. And when you just sort of let go, it it is really liberating. Yeah, completely. I think it has to do with the fact that we have been taught that dancing is something that you should do like on a party or kind of date context where you're sort of trying to impress someone. But I believe with just like dancing in your living room without being afraid of Anybody seeing you is one of the most liberating, amazing things, not to mention like you release endorphins anytime you move. So it's great for your health. hundred percent, hundred percent. So let's just kind of shift focus just a little bit. And you talked about caring about the climate and it wasn't eco-friendly fashion. What was your phrasing? Mostly about like nature and responsible fashion. Yeah. 
Yes, responsible fashion. That was it. And I think that is a pretty good transition to Beckett Simonon. Can you tell us a little bit about the company themselves? Yeah. Uh, Beckett Simonon is, is the company that I work for right now. I coordinate responsibility for them. And what we do is we offer quality, long-lasting footwear and accessories that are handcrafted to order by expert Colombian artisans. And this is done under ethical conditions. This is a brand that was founded by two <laughs> punk best friends from, chill, from childhood. Um, and basically, they realized by founding a different company where they sold on the usual retail route that that route was completely broken. Like the system was broken because they realized that they had to have so much inventory to be able to sell and wholesale because as you may know, like when you, when you have inventory, you're trying to assess what people may want. And even if technology is making that easier by tracking people's habits, there's still like a piece of guesswork. So there are a lot of companies that, Usually what they do is they throw the on-sale inventory on a landfill or they incinerate it and both of those actions end up producing greenhouse gas emissions. And also there was a side of the workers not being paid that well. And also wholesale, when you, when you sell wholesale, you have to, like the pricing of the shoes would be higher because you have to pay the wholesaler a certain percentage. So all of these things, <laughs> since they weren't exactly coming from a fashion background, they seem pretty crazy for Nicolás and Andrés. And so they decided to found Beckett Simonon on the premise that retail could be a force for good. And so we, we do that by making sure that like our made-to-order model means we don't have inventory. Every shoe has an owner, even before the leather is cut. So like... If you order it, it gets made. If you don't order it, it doesn't get made. So we don't use unnecessary resources. And then there's the side of the artisans. Um, the artisans we work with are incredible people. They are Colombian uh, artisans here in Bogota. And they have been doing leather work for like some of them for like 50 years. And we work with these three family-owned studios, all of which have caregiver leave, uh, like for wages that are above 20, like 20% above the usual uh, operative person salary here in Colombia. And they have benefits, decent working hours. And it's just like a setting where we understand that it is a partnership where we get the expertise that makes our shoes so incredible and they get a market that appreciates what their creations are worth. It is an equal partnership that we are very proud of to be able to have. And we actually just launched our first personal training for one of the factories. They are getting weekly videos on their WhatsApp uh, to take like an intro to financial education. So let's see how that goes. And that's basically what we do at Beckett. And within the team, we also have amazing, like within the HQ team, we also, we also have amazing conditions. And we just got like a bonus for mental health, a monthly bonus for mental health. So that's great. And I could speak about Beckett Simonon forever if you don't stop me. I love the company. <laughs> that was one of the things that really stood out during 
you and I's first conversation was just how important treating your employees well was. And I write a lot about eco-friendliness, but part of that to me also means employee health and employee happiness and employee healthiness. And that is something that over here in America, like we have a, a for like the past couple months, there's been a, a big sort of to do about paying employees livable wages. Um, it, it's been a big talking point. And it's just really nice to see a company taking care of their employees like Beckett Simonon. You know, I you sent me the videos and the testimonials from the workers and you can just see that this is just a seems like a really great company to work for. Thank you so much. Well, that's one of the things that we aspire to every single day, being responsible and taking care of people from our clients to to the artisans that we partner with. And we know it's a moving target, which is why we're always trying to do better in terms of those conditions. Actually, uh, you mentioned like livable wages. You know that there's a difference between living wage and minimum wage. And here in Colombia, the government only has minimum wage. And so we're actually working with uh, a nonprofit called Global Living Wage. We, to be able to make sure that they also calculate a living wage for our city, for Bogota, since the government is not doing that work. So we partnered with them this year in terms of making a donation and sending them information because we do want to make sure that there is not only a minimum wage, but also a living wage. And I think there's a big difference between the two. And I'm really glad that you you acknowledge that because, again, that's something that I'm seeing a lot of on social media. Like, I think there is a big difference between someone who is working for minimum wage with a family or trying to get housing, uh, especially in the area that I live in. It would be almost impossible to, to be able to rent a place on minimum wage. So I'm really glad to hear that you're teaming up with a nonprofit to make sure that you aren't just doing the bare minimum. You are you're making sure that your employees are taken care of and happy. And I can only imagine that makes your employees want to be dedicated to the company as well. Yeah, definitely. I think that's like that's one of the most incredible parts is working at least in the HQ at Beckett Simmer and that's that the team that we have, we we all all of us have such love for the company and for the founders that it's it's just wonderful to to work with a team like that. So before we go on, because I have a couple more questions about that, I do think that I should probably talk about the shoes just a little bit. I was fortunate enough to be sent a couple pairs and one, I love them. I think they're absolutely beautiful. They're the nicest pieces of footwear I've ever owned. And <laughs> <I'm glad. laughs> two, pretty much every single one of my friends, male friends who has seen them has told me how much they love them. So I, not only does the company do a great job in terms of responsibility and 
taking care of their employees, but also the product is really, really good. Thank you. Uh, that's one of the things that we aspire to because we actually believe that when you have something that's quality and also long lasting, it's going to be better not only for you because you don't have to replace it like every month or every six months, but also for the environment because you don't have to make, uh, you don't have to take from it as much. And that means that you will also be able to inherit it to someone else. And it lowers the greenhouse emissions considerably to make long lasting items. And I think that would be impossible if it weren't for the experts that make our shoes that have this wealth of knowledge. We're, we're actually launching uh, some new videos coming in September, and you will get to meet some of these amazing people very, very soon. And you will see how like that translates into a product that is comfortable, that is beautiful and that will last you a long time and that's also repairable because one thing that makes me really mad is like for example with cell phones that you you cannot open your iphone and like just take another piece and put it in there but with these shoes you can easily replace the soles or the heel stacks so that's part of what makes it a great product in our opinion and we know that leather is controversial, but it's a very long lasting material. And we were able to at least acquire leather that is certified Avant into the tannery. My dream is to be able to go back into regenerative leather cattle farming. That would be amazing, but we will see. Yeah. I mean, that would be great. I think in my opinion, when it comes to sort of eco-friendliness and responsibility in terms of clothing, I think it is very much okay to do the best that you can. Uh, It's really hard to find perfect. And, you know, with these shoes in particular, they're going to last you a very long time and you are going to be able to repair them. So that makes them eco-friendly in so many ways. Yeah, that's that's definitely our stance that if it lasts longer, it's it's better for the environment too. So obviously these, you know, when I, when I put on these shoes, I have a certain emotional feeling of self-confidence. I'm not wearing a pair of flip-flops. I'm not, you know, walking around in some beat up sneakers. Like I am wearing nice shoes and I love shoes. I think that putting on a nice pair of shoes can be the equivalent of getting a nice new haircut which sort of ties into what I want to talk about now, which is this idea of taking care of yourself, how grooming, and that's going to be our definition for grooming here, is is just taking care of yourself, can lead to better mental health and a positive mindset. From my experience, I know that putting on clothes that fit me well, that look great, make me feel better and give me more self-confidence. Is that something that uh, you have noticed amongst your customers, amongst your amongst your buyers? Yeah, definitely. It, it is something that we have noticed amongst our buyers and amongst ourselves. We And that is one of the things that Nico and Andres wanted. 
it was for people to be able to feel elegant, smart, and confident without having to break the bank, which is what the made-to-order model affords. Because since we don't have to exp- to spend that money on wholesalers or inventory, um, a we put it into the artisans, but B, a lot of people are able to feel confident with great shifts for half the price that retail would be. And personally, I think that it has a great power. I like with me, it's not so much about shoes, but more about lipstick. I feel like if I put on lipstick in the morning, I can conquer the world. So I completely agree with you. Like there are these little details, these little things that have to do with taking care of oneself that can just make your whole day better. And wearing good clothes, wearing good shoes can be a part of that. So obviously I think for women sort of this, and you can correct me a hundred percent if I'm talking out of turn here, <laughs> the, the idea that nice clothes, makeup, just looking good, build self-confidence is a trend that hasn't quite caught on yet for men, even though it should. I, and I think we're in the working processes. Is, is that something that you agree with or, or you think I, I, I'm off base with? No, I think you're not a face in there, basically because if you see historically, like since the, I, I, I don't know how you say that exactly in English, but there's this term that's called the great renunciation, I believe, by the psychologist Devlin. Like since that moment, that was like around the French Revolution when men started started dressing down, because if you see like, I don't know, paintings of Louis XV, you will see that men used makeup and also dressed like really extravagantly up until that time. And then with the French Revolution and this sense of equality and brotherhood and work, men started dressing down and women became like this way of vicariously representing your wealth through fashion and your confidence. So historically, it has been deemed as like a female realm. And unfortunately, a lot of things that were deemed to be female um, like have been attacked in way of them being weak or uh, regarding them as not being as important, even superfluous, which I do not agree with like I think fashion and grooming and makeup and all of the th- all of these things are self-expression and a way of transforming yourself. But I think fortunately men are starting to realize that they don't have to conform conform to, to these old as gender stereotypes and that you also can take part in the joy that can come from dressing well and doing skincare and even getting makeup on and it's just a lot of like very arbitrary rules that have to do with gender which is also a construction so I am very glad that men are like getting onto this trend that should just be the norm, you know, because clothes and grooming products and kind of this rituals, they are genderless. The people who put the gender on that are us. (laughs) 100% agree. It took me a really long time to get my first pedicure or my first clay mask. But after I was done with both of them, I was 
you know, I, d- I told my wife, I can't believe it took me this long to do this. This is amazing. <laughs> this this was so relaxing. Yeah, completely. I mean, I'm glad that you that you are there. As time continues onwards, those the gender norms that you know didn't really tell men to you know start a skincare routine or even put on sunscreen. I, I I'm hoping that those those norms start to get broken down because these are in my opinion, some of the easier ways for men to just live happier and healthier lives. I think it's really simple. We we already brush our teeth. We already shower. Uh, So adding something else to that routine maybe takes 35 to, you know, a minute and a half extra in your daily routine. And it can make a big difference for you personally. Completely. And I I really believe that Things are shifting, not only for men, but you see people who are identifying as gender non-binary and just don't subscribe to any of these. And I do believe that it, like these little rituals can be a gateway for men to find a healthier way to relate themselves to their own masculinity where they don't feel threatened by things that have become labeled as feminine which I think is very important. One of the other things that I wanted to talk about was a, a little bit about you and your work. You talked about your appreciation of meditation. And I know in a previous conversation that you and I had, you mentioned a little bit about you You were running some coaching groups. Is that right? Yeah. Um, I'm running some coaching groups that have to do with looking at different TV or movies that we can use to speak about our emotions. So like maybe we watch an episode of Steven Universe and the person is using meditation to try to balance themselves. And so I use that to open a conversation about anxiety. So that's great. And we have been also able to have like these cycles where we open conversations about masculinity too. So basically what I do is I just like to open spaces for people to connect around different creative angles. So be it like how you make a business out of creativity or mental health, like with this movie forms that we do or masculinity. So that's, that's where I'm at because I believe connection is one of the things that will heal us as humans. That's brilliant. So within these groups, what are some of the takeaways that that you've gotten from from speaking with other people? Yeah, um, I think one of the most important things is that we really like what what I told you about need like needing connection is that we believe that we're alone in a lot of our struggles. And by listening to other people's stories, or by seeing our experiences in different narratives, we realize that we're not actually alone and that by helping each other, we can make things better. So an example can be the the masculinity circles that I told you about. A lot of the guys that came into that uh, spoke about how hard it was for them to 
express their love for their friends if they weren't drunk. So like hugging their friends, telling them they love them, and just listening to each other, expressing that common uh, struggle was very healing to some of them. And also to us as the women who were listening, because I think that sometimes we think that there is a very big like difference. And yes, the way that society has affected people is intersectional. So there are definitely going to be differences. But I truly think that when we are able to hear the other person's vulnerability, we can start to connect and think of ways to be a part of each other's fight in a way. You have created a really incredible group. And it's one of those things where I'm like, I'm jealous that we don't have one of those here. We totally could make it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I, I know. I know. So point that you were bringing up about men being, feeling, I'm, I'm trying to think of the right word for this. Awkward more, maybe? I'm sorry? Awkward maybe? Yeah. Maybe, maybe awkward about sharing their feelings. That's something that when I've been doing research on like male friendship, has really been an effect of, you know, just sort of society. And it really starts affecting men in America in middle school. So around 13 to 15 years old. So they lose out on all of that emotional growth. When you're talking to the men in the group, what is some of the advice that you give them to sort of start making those changes to, to be more vulnerable, to be more open? Yeah. Well, Actually, like it starts, it all starts with questions, like asking yourself, like, what is the first thing that comes to mind for you when you think about being a man? Um, What are the memories that you have around that? How do you, how do you usually act when you feel strong emotions? And there's actually this advice that one of my bosses gave us um, that he, he uses the acronym STOP, which means stop, take a breath, observe, and proceed. So basically, just like stop, feel your body, feel your emotion, write it down, observe what it's like, and then just proceed to talk to the person that's involved um, about that feeling. And I know like what what I told him is that I know it's very hard, but one of the most important things is that we have to start looking at vulnerability as a strength instead of something that makes you weak. So basically just do the stop and then try to remind yourself that vulnerability is a strength and start with the people that you're closest with, just like asking for help or telling them what you're uncomfortable with or telling them that you love them. It takes practice. Like vulnerability is a skill, just like anything else. So that's basically what, what I usually advise advise them to do. I, I'm taking notes over here. You can't see, obviously. But <laughs> you're saying some really, really important brilliant stuff and the people in your in your coaching group are are very lucky to to have you as a leader and as and as an advisor and i i couldn't agree more with this idea of vulnerability is something that you need to practice and 
that ties in really well to the the idea of friendship. Friendship is something that takes work. We usually think of relationships with your romantic partner, like that takes work too, but we don't ever really apply those same levels of work to keeping our friendship solid. And especially now more than ever with everything going on with the pandemic and the shutdowns and the lockdowns and so many people not able to really spend time with their friends, it's really highlighted that vulnerability is really important and keeping friendship strong requires effort from everyone involved. Completely. And I'm glad you bring friendship up because I feel like a lot of the times society just tells us that like the most important relationship is the romantic one. And yes, of course, it is extremely important, but being able to nurture your friendships is it's actually even better for your relationship when you don't have to put like all of those like emotions in just one person. And it is work and it takes nurturing and it has been harder in within this pandemic to, to keep the connections that we have. And just like opening up is part of that. And I truly believe in this. This isn't just me, like this is backed up by loneliness studies that when you're able to establish uh, meaningful connections with people, that is because you have opened up about the things that are important to you. And that actually makes makes you happier. And there have been studies that show that when people are lonely, it's as if you have like smoke 15 cigarettes a day for all your life, or like you have been punched in the face, it creates the same amount of cortisol. So I truly believe having friendships, it, it doesn't mean that you have to have a hundred friends. You can have like three good friends. Is one of the most important things in life. Yeah, there's the 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 rule of 150. You can have 150 acquaintances in your life, but obviously you can't have 150 best friends. So you sort of have to categorize them. I always find that to be an interesting exercise to sort of look at the people that are most important in your life and and sort of putting them all together into a list. But for for listeners who want to sort of know more about your work and where they can find some of the information that you're talking about, where would they be able to find find you? Yeah, um, at, I'm, I'm at Instagram over at Adela, like A-D-E-L-A, and then my grandmother's Lebanese last name, which would be F-A-J-U-R-I, so that's Adela Fahuri. And you can find what we're doing in terms of responsibility at Becca Timonen on all of our channels. Awesome. Uh, I'm going to make sure I put both of those in the comments so everyone will be able to follow and share. Uh, I want to thank you so much, Adela. This was just a wonderful conversation. You too. Thank you so much for inviting me. I truly admire what you're doing is inviting them to have a more positive masculinity. Well, thank you again so much. And uh, we, we hope to hear from you again soon. You too. Huge thanks again to Adela Cardona and everyone at Beckett Seamanen. To learn more, make sure to follow Adela on social media and visit BeckettSeamanen.com. All of the links are in the description below. 
And for you listeners, thank you so much for continuing to support Dudefluencer. We have some great experiences coming up, so make sure you follow Dudefluencer on Facebook, Twitter, and now Instagram. Stay healthy, folks. Good night.